Hello friends, welcome to Running and Fitness with Raj. This show will bring you exciting and interesting guests and give you specific and actionable advice on your running, fitness and general health. Our guest today is Steve Palladino who is an accomplished athlete and coach. Steve has a personal best of 2 hours and 16 minutes in the marathon and he is an Olympic trials qualifier. Steve established the Palladino Power Project which trains athletes using power. Steve himself has been training and racing with power for 15 years. He is one of the leading authorities in the world when it comes to running with power and I'm absolutely delighted to have him on the show. So a very warm welcome to you Steve. Oh, thank you and I'm absolutely delighted to be on your show. Having having listened to it and enjoyed the conversations that you've had and the topics you've covered. So thank you very much for for asking me. Thank thank you Steve that's very kind of you. So let's start with uh, a bit of your uh, athletic background how you became a coach and uh, what led all of this to you becoming um, one of the leading proponents of running with power in the world. So over to you Steve. Okay thank you. So you 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 mentioned a number of elements and and I'm going to just sort of weave them together in in terms of you know how to answer your question. I mean I I was I was a uh a runner as a as a youngster and uh you know eventually got uh, you know good enough to run a 216 marathon and uh, have a a very brief elite career where I ran for Adidas um but uh it, it, I was at, at the the time that I was reaching or get, approaching my peak I actually ran 216 when I was 22 years old So I was relatively young and I still had more growth but I also uh was uh, about to enter medical school and 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 uh elite running career and medical school are not really compatible. Uh yeah, so sure. I I I uh went into medicine and got away from running um but fortunately the medicine part of it I I was in lower extremity medicine for 30 years. and i i uh although my primary practice is foot and ankle surgery i also had sports medicine practice where i took care of runners and their injuries and uh consequently studied a lot of the literature on preventing injuries and and dealing addressing injuries so that added a little bit to my acumen uh you know i had had the running background then i added the medical background and um when i got to be about uh you know in about 45 years old i i i resumed my running career for you know from just before 40 until 45 years and i did pretty well as a masters runner um and i i was starting to get a little bit into coaching at that point in time but then i started having injury problems myself with my running so i sw- i switched to bike riding and it just so so happened that i switched to bike riding around 2002 the same time when power meters were becoming available uh commonly available to you know early adopters so i i got in uh at at the beginning or near the beginning of of power and i learned a lot from people like uh, andrew coggan dr coggan and and others that uh that are well known in power circles i got to start learning about power at through cycling back in sure. 2000, back in 2002 so you you put those things together 
my running background, my medical background, my experience with power, it allowed me that when when Stride came out in around 2015, 2016 with, with a power meter, the, the light bulb went on for me, and I'm going. I could put all these things together, and uh, I did, and and that started the uh, my coaching with power experience. Oh, okay. Thank you so much for that uh, detailed background. Now, so let's start with a very basic question: What exactly is uh, running with power? Because uh, you know, most of uh, most of my listeners. Uh, would probably have heard about running with power or even not heard with of running with power. So can you just take us with uh, through what exactly is running with power? Uh, what is it a proxy for in running, really? What does it, uh, what does it measure? Uh, and then we can take, forward, take it forward from there on. Okay, so um, uh, I don't want to, to alienate your, your listeners, uh, but <laughs> It, technically, power is a work rate. It's it's kilojoules of work per second. Um, and so it's a, it's a work rate. And if you think about it, pace is a work rate. And heart rate can relay a work rate. And so can sure. RPE, perceived exertion. So these are all, there's four four different measures of, uh, of work or effort, uh, power being one of them. Well, Power, as, as Stride um, configured their algorithm, um, best matches metabolic power, not mechanical power. Best matches metabolic power. And so consequently, it... Sorry, it, I'm sorry to interrupt, but what's the difference, like mechanical power and metabolic power? Okay, me- metabolic power is basically what is uh, being done metabolically to produce that power produce the movement mechanical is what's what's actually exerted um uh, like if you're on, measured on a force plate what's being exerted there um is the mechanical power so the the difference between the two is 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 really efficiency if you had perfect efficiency metabolic power equals mechanical power um or if you, uh, you know, for example, in cycling, uh, efficiency is pretty consistent. It's 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 not highly variable. Uh, so uh, me- mechanical power is what what you measure in cycling is is a good surrogate for what's happening in, in terms of metabolic power because sure. the efficiency component is consistent. Yes. So what you what you see mechanically on the output side. Is is reflecting what's going on on the uh, the the internal me- metabolic side to produce the power. In running, you have a, a way more variable efficiency than in cycling across runners. Plus, for a given runner, efficiency varies depending on training. So, if efficiency varies, and part of that is elastic component of running. When you run your tendons and fascia load, and then they, there's some energy, elastic energy return. The more... And, and, and that, doesn't, that doesn't consume any uh, m- uh, metabolic power, right? I mean, it's like yeah. almost like free energy. It, it, we, yeah, there's no such thing as free energy per se, but you're right. You, you're, you, there's metabolic power that produced the loading, and then there's some return. But yes... So, so let me dovetail off of what you just said. 
if someone's more efficient, they have more elastic component, that makes them more efficient. And so um, metabolic power and, and uh, mechanical power don't necessarily match. That said, Stride, when they developed their algorithm, they excluded the elastic component and they matched it more to the metabolic side. So, okay. so consequently, um, going back to what we said about work rate and measure of effort, when you when when the various researchers have done studies where they've looked at VO2, which is a measure of metabolic activity, um, VO2 versus stride power. And it has the highest correlation of any power running power device on the market. Very high, very high correlation over and over and over, multiple studies. So um, what is running power? It's a measure of work rate or a measure of your effort. And even more precisely, it's a measure of uh, a, a close surrogate for metabolic power for that runner. And finally, you know, all that matters really when you are running or exercising or doing any endurance sport is how much metabolic power you are expanding, um, expending, right? I mean, that's because everybody has a finite amount of uh, finite amount of that at any given point in time. So this is a power is a power uh, running power is an excellent proxy for metabolic power. And hence, it's very useful. Is that a fair summary? That's it. Very fair summary. Okay, so now let's get into uh, you know you you laid out uh, four matrices, which is power, heart rate, pace, and rate of perceived exertion. And I know from listening to you uh, multiple times that you favor power over uh, the other uh, the other three, uh, or or certainly over, over pace and heart rate. Uh, when it comes to when it comes to running, why is that the case? Why do you like power so much over the other matrices? Um, I, I first of all, let me let me say that that there's no reason why a runner can't use all four. Sure. Okay. But but the the more different uh, measures of your effort that you use. Uh, the more you know, confusion can can exist. Absolutely, so, absolutely, yeah. So, so um, power to me is 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 valuable, more valuable than the others because a, it's been proven to be uh, you know very highly correlated with with VO2 and metabolic power, and it's portable, meaning at pace. Pace falls apart when you go to the hills. Sure. So how do you, you know, what if you're running flat and you're running at, at uh, say, four, four kilometers per minute, and then you get to a hill, uh, you're not going to still run four kilometers per minute at the same effort. Power, yes, it, it's constant across those, uh, across hills and wind uh, with, the, with the current uh you know the way that stride reports power with the, the the wind device so it's it's portable uh then compared to heart rate it's instantaneous meaning um when you exert an effort power goes up heart rate there's a lag also with heart rate there's a drift over time as you become dehydrated or you're running in warmer environments you may start in the morning in a cooler environment and you end 
in warmer environment, your heart rate's going to drift. So there's confounding variables involved with, with pace. The confounding variables are hills and wind with heart. Confounding variables are heart rate lag with, with shorter intense efforts and heart rate drift with longer efforts. And then, of course, heart rate is also confounded by medicines, lack of sleep, uh, menstrual cycle, you name it. There's a lot of different uh, confounding variables. Not to say heart rate's bad or pace is bad. They've been proven to be effective. But power uh, has a few of these confounding variables. So in my use, I, I, I like power and I like a highly uh, refined sense of perceived exertion. Uh, which which is the internal measure of effort, and powers that you know technically the external measure of effort. When you put those together, you've got a very powerful uh, uh, feedback and power, powerful control of dose of stimulus relative to effort. Okay, no, that's very helpful and uh, very valid points when it comes to you know, the heart rate drift or obviously the pace changing uh, depending on terrain. And then finally, you know, based on my experience, uh, I can tell you that rate of perceived exertion takes time to develop. I mean, it's not something which, you know, which comes naturally. And I'm sure, you know, pretty much all recreational runners are refining that uh, throughout their throughout their athletic uh, athletic journey. So uh, let's just move on. I mean, whatever metric uh, you use, whether it's power, heart rate, pace, there are training zones. And uh, uh, and you know, it's it's delightful to know that you have established your own uh, training zones with power, which is slightly different uh, from what let's say the stride training zones are, or some of the other. Uh, other coaches too. So, how did you arrive at these uh, uh, training uh, training zones? And just uh, take us through it. Um, I cobbled together a number of different concepts. First of all, you know, there's there's people like Dr. Coggin who had uh, levels. He likes to call them levels, not zones. Um, sure. And uh, he he established those for cycling. So you have that, and you have a little bit of of uh, guidance that way, and um, and then there's others that have developed uh, zones for for running power. But I looked at them, and I'm going, let's let's look at uh, the physiology behind them um, it, as it as it becomes more specific to running, and also let's look at race power. I like to. Um, I looked, started looking at, okay, what, what does a person typically run for uh, 800 meters or 1,500, 1,600 meters in terms of percent of, of uh, threshold power or, or critical power or functional threshold power? Um, what, what's 5K? What's 3K? What's half marathon? What's marathon? How do those all relate as a percent of, of critical power or functional threshold power? And you start looking at runners – and you know their physiology, and you look at some of these other zones, it allows you to incorporate bits and pieces of those. So if you look at my zones, um, the transition points of the various zones are, are pretty close to a lot of common race distance, or the power that people will execute common race distances at. Okay. Uh, it, it, for example... Um, 
uh, my zone 3A runs from 88% to uh, just below 95%. That's that pretty ru runs the, pretty much runs the gamut from marathon power for many runners to marathon power for elite runners and half marathon power for non-elite runners. So there's a junction. And then, so that half marathon power is sort of a junction between 3A and 3B. And then 3B, the next zone up, goes all the way up to 101%, uh, which is about 10K power for many runners. So I, my, my zones incorporate what's commonly done is race power, physiology, and what was out there already in terms of race uh, or in terms of uh, power zones. Okay. So you kind of answered the next question I had jotted down, which is the correlation between the race, uh, uh, race spaces and the zone. So you have answered that pretty much your zones are have a high degree of correlation with the different uh, uh, different race uh, race distances. Uh, right. So uh, and I and I will I will link this uh, these zones in my show notes, of course, so that Great. listeners can go, uh, listeners can go and uh, check it out in more, check it out in more detail. Now let's get to let, let's get probably a little geeky and come to some of the commonly associated terms with. Uh, uh, running with power, like uh, critical power, running effectiveness, uh, leg spring stiffness, form power, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I mean, obviously, as 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 you mentioned in the pre-show, that uh, we don't want to get too geeky and lose listeners, but it would be helpful to just give them a quick overview of uh, some of these terms. Uh, so, over to you, Steve. Again. All right. Well, let's let's start with um, functional threshold power and critical power. I'm I'm going to uh, lump them in the same uh, category. Now, people, people, if you want to get really technical, there's differences. Um, okay. And, and if you look in the literature, there's there might be differences, but then there's also the methodologies being used in in the studies. But conceptually, both of them represent. Um, I, I, what is the the highest power uh, that represents a sort of a metabolic steady state? Metabolic steady state. Notice I didn't say maximal lactate steady state. That's a whole different concept. There's power, and then there's lactate. There's VO2. Those are all different models, different concepts. So it happens that that these are are close to maximal lactate steady state, but we're going to say they're, they represent uh, or approximate, I have to put quotes around that word approximate, um, the maximal, uh, maximal metabolic steady state. That's very important um, uh, because above that, um, you're going to fatigue in a, in a, in a very finite period of time. We're uh, at or below it, you can go much, much longer. Um, so uh, FTP, critical power, is a very important concept. Maximal metabolic um, uh, steady state is what they approximate. Now, that said... Sorry, Steve, one, uh, one uh, question here. So yeah. I have also read that uh, one can think about critical power as the power you can hold for 
something like 50 to 60 minutes of activity is that is is that a fair uh, fair way of looking at it i i think that is sort of a a little bit of a misrepresentation okay um, the uh, ftp functional threshold power uh, the the uh, time to exhaustion running that is is typically going to be in the 30 to 70 minute range 30 to 70 okay and there's a, a, a dr hill who published uh, an article on cp I, I, i'm i'm not i'm going to paraphrase he said that crit- the time to exhaustion when running at critical power is between 30 and 60 minutes okay so naturally they're pretty close um, in terms of relative intensity, I like to use. I like to throw this one out. It's they're both they're both going to fall in a range of about fifty minutes plus or minus twenty minutes. Okay. For, if you look at a whole population from um, trained runners to elites, you know, elite might go seventy minutes or sixty minutes. A trained runner might be thirty or thirty-five minutes, um, but yeah, I think saying uh, the, 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 the worst case is when people say FTP is 60-minute power or CP is 60-minute power. That, that's, that's wrong. Um, I would suggest to those people is you, you get your, your FTP, functional threshold power, or your critical power and go out and try to run it as long as you can. You're not going to get to 60 minutes most of the time. So um, that's important for the viewers to understand. It's the, the time – is, is is there's a broad range, but it's it's not so much that that's important. It's the the physiologic state that it represents, the maximal metabolic steady state. Now I'm going to just throw one little additional uh, reference point. In running, FTP or critical power um, is probably one of the most, if not the most important determinants of race performance from 5K to marathon. A 5K is typically done up to maybe 110, 111% uh, for elites, typically around 106, 108% for most. Marathons, I already said, about 88 to 92% for most runners. That's FTP or critical power plus or minus 10%. So within this band of plus or minus 10% of that maximal metabolic steady state defined by functional threshold power, critical power, you have all of the race distances, all the performances between 5K and marathon. So it's it's an important metric. Yeah, it's really useful when you when you think about it, really, because uh, you know none of the other uh, you know matrices can really give it in such a tight range, is what I would I would think, and it will also vary quite a lot uh, in terms of your perception, right? But power seems to be, and this seems to be proven empirically that uh, with uh, maybe thousands of runners, that it all fits into this uh, tight range of plus or minus ten percent from your functional threshold power or critical power right for most runners yes absolutely yeah, okay okay so uh, so that's critical uh, that's critical power and can we talk about running effectiveness then and i i suspect that also has this correlation to what you started with initially about 
uh, between metabolic power and uh, what power actually uh, uh, measures, right? Uh, to to an extent, yeah. Um, uh, running effectiveness was uh, a metric that was developed by Dr. Coggin, Andrew Coggin, and it basically, it's very simple. It's it's the speed to power ratio. It's speed divided by power. Um, power is in watts per kilogram, and speed is in meters per second. Um, and that's a basic formula. It's very simple. So it's I like to say this that for for the listeners to understand it. It's how effective a runner is at converting power to speed. How fast can you go for the watts that you're putting out? Now, one runner, uh, if they're running at, let's say, let's just go back to this concept of, of critical power. They're running at critical power. They're running smack on critical power. Two runners, critical power. And they both have the same watts per kilogram at critical. Let's say they're both very good runners. They're 5.0 watts per kilogram uh, at critical power. But one of them has a higher running effectiveness. And the other one's a lower running effectiveness. Who wins the race? The one with the higher running effectiveness because they're getting more speed from their power. So running effectiveness to me is a very... Uh, important metric, a very helpful metric for people. Most runners are coming from a pace slash speed paradigm of running. And for them to make the connection to power, they have to know that, that running effectiveness, that the speed, the speed that you get for the power you're producing varies across runners and it varies across conditions. You're not going to, this is this is a sort of a common sense thing. You're not going to be going if you're going the same effort, the same metabolic power up a hill versus flat. You're 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 going to go slower up the hill, and your running effectiveness is going to be lower because you're getting less speed for your power. So, um, yeah, it's an important metric. I think it's it's a very important one for understanding this this power to speed relationship. So. Uh, and and it's also important to highlight that uh, running effectiveness for elites would be uh, around one to uh, one a little over one, and for recreational runners a little below that. Is that a fair way of putting it? Yep, yep, absolutely. Elites will be higher than non-elites, um, and uh, I you know, have to also say that you know, Stride has the Wind Pod and the their, their older version, which did not have the the capacity to model wind and report power based on uh, air resistance. Um, the when you add the air resistance part in with the new pod, running effectiveness values are lower. But relative, if you had an elite versus a, a an age group runner, the elites generally going to have a higher running effectiveness regardless of the pod. You know, as long as you're comparing apples to apples. But yes, you're right. Okay, so we talked about two elements, uh, which is uh, critical power uh, and uh, running effectiveness. In your mind, what are some of the uh, other metrics when it comes to running with power, uh, which is important? And once you have gone through that, we will get into how can you improve things like critical power, running effectiveness, and any other uh, metrics that you are just going to highlight. Well, I, I 
I mean, I to me, <clears throat> I would say that that ninety percent of my analytics uh, uh, of of given runs or races are those two metrics. Oh, okay. Running effectiveness and power. Now that said, um, uh, I I'm a I think power offers quite a bit in terms of managing training loads of runners. So stride has a metric called RSS or running stress score. Um, it's been in existence as training stress score in the WKO and other, other environments and platforms. I think that's an important metric and we can come back to that, but let me just uh, add in that stride reports uh, leg spring stiffness um, which is basically that elastic element we were talking at the at the beginning of the program. <clears throat> it's it's sort of a measure of the uh, 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 elastic uh, uh, return of energy. So higher leg spring stiffness generally implies a greater return of energy from the elastic component of the the, the runner. Um, so it's it's nice to to follow that because. We just got through talking about running effectiveness. If someone has a uh, a higher leg spring stiffness and they're getting more elastic energy return, then theoretically, and I have to put quotes around theoretically, um, then they're going to get more speed for their power, their metabolic power, which is what stride yes. reports. So, leg spring stiffness is 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 a nice one that that I don't use as a primary metric. But it's a secondary metric that I like to keep my eye on. Um, similarly, uh, form power, <clears throat> pardon me, form power, and what I prefer, form power ratio. Form power ratio is form power, which is, uh, I'll explain that in a second, form power divided by the total power reported by stride. <clears throat> so um, form power ratio, well, let, actually, let me explain form power. Form power is the power um, that is uh, used to move the center of mass of the runner up and down and side to side, not horizontal. So it's, it's, it's that amount of power of the total power that Stride reports. It's that amount of power that is not moving the runner horizontally. It's moving the runner up and down and side to side. So... If you look at a ratio of that component to the total, the form power ratio, then the the higher the percent, the higher the form power ratio, that means there's more power being diverted to moving the runner up and down and side to side and not horizontally, which is where we want that power going. So I keep my eye on that as well, because if if form power is 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 lower if you can move it lower right or form power ratio actually the ratio we can move that lower down to say 20% from 25 to 25% uh from 25 to 20% you're actually getting more of that runner's power moving the runner horizontally and you're going to effectively create more speed that way you're going to improve running effectiveness that way so it's another one that I like to keep my eye on as a secondary metric. Okay. And uh, I have also heard you talking about power duration curve. 
the uh, the concept of power duration curve as a game changer so uh, before we move on to uh, understanding how you can improve these various elements like running effectiveness form power ratio etc can we just go through that also like what is power duration curve and uh, why is it a game changer in your eyes oh, that's a great one and i'm glad you asked that question the um the power duration curve let me let me just say this this simple explanation um the the longer you run the lower the power you can sustain okay so that that at five if you ran if you sprinted for five seconds you could hold, you could sustain a very high power of course if, if you run for three hours you're not gonna you're gonna <laughs> it's gonna be progressively lower and actually it forms a a curve depending and if you plot on a logarithmic uh, uh, curve or log, logarithmic x-axis for time, the power duration curve looks sigmoidal. The bottom line is this for the listeners. Uh, the power duration curve is a representation of your power f- that you can sustain for any given duration, and it deteriorates over time, naturally. The key, the, the, the key thing about power duration curve, which makes it so exciting, it's like a fingerprint. Every runner's okay. power duration curve is different because we all have strengths and weaknesses. We all have uh, different percentages of, of the various muscle fiber types. We have different levels of training, what we emphasize in training. A power duration curve is a fingerprint. It represents that runner's power duration across a whole broad range of durations Um at any given point in time. That's, that is a big, big thing. Because remember earlier, we were talking about zones. And I have, you know, rigid, you know, rigidly defined zones. But there, there can be a runner who runs a 5K at 108% of FTP. And another runner runs it at 106%. Another runner runs it at 103%. So you can use zones derived off of some, some population-based thing, or you could train by the person's individual power duration curve. There, you start getting into individualized training, and that's a difference maker. That's a huge difference maker. When you could have a fingerprint of that runner that points out strengths and weaknesses and what the runner's been focusing on and also allow you to prescribe training targets more specific to that runner game changer okay got it so it's uh, it's very very interesting so now let's come to how do you improve how do you improve your critical power running uh, effectiveness uh, form form power ratio is obviously important because you don't want to waste too much going up and down and side to side so are there specific drills that you prescribe or like? Uh, I, I let, let's get into that. Uh, that's a great question. Um, so this is important for, for the listeners to understand too, is that um, you, the, your body, the human species, is going to respond to training uh, power duration. That's going to change more readily than are the various form elements, running effectiveness, 
form power ratio, leg spring stiffness, those are, are slow movers and not big movers. So the biggest bang for the buck, the greatest improvement in your performance is focusing on improving power duration, um, which, you know, we that that's that's uh, running principles and, and concepts on a, on a broader scale. You know, you're going to do a large volume is going to be important. Easy runs, training intensity distribution, meaning, you know, a certain percentage of, of higher intensive training. All of these things are important elements that drive your power duration curve. That's where you're going to get the bigger gains. And let me let me just give you enough for example. You have a runner, and over a six month period of time, um, uh, it, you put them in a structured uh, training program. You might get a 10% change in power duration. Their their critical power might grow 10%. For example. Okay, so just to just so that the listeners are clear here, when you use the term power duration, uh, in a way you are talking about improving the critical power, right? Yes, but it could, for that matter, it could be any power duration. Let's say let's say the 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 runner, the listener is a twenty minute five k runner or or a uh, let's say a forty minute ten k runner. The, okay. So their power for forty minutes is an important number for them. So if you can improve that. By 10%, that's a huge improvement. Um, so, going back to the example, um, if I could improve, it, it, as an example, a runner might improve 10%. That's a huge amount. Um, yes. In, in a six month period of time. But that same runner, even though they're focusing on various elements of improvement, the running effectiveness might not move, move up 1%. And leg spring stiffness might might not move all that much, and and form power ratio might not change that much. Not to say you don't work on them, but um, your biggest bang for your buck is in working on training to make your power duration curve go up, uh, make your power critical power grow up. Now going to the other side, the form related metrics like running effectiveness. And uh, form power ratio and leg spring stiffness. For leg spring stiffness, I like plyometrics. Uh, that's been uh, shown to be okay. beneficial. Hill training could be beneficial. Um, you know, hill sprints and and even downhill running. You know, not that you want to do a lot of that because there's injury risk. But if you're going uphill, you're coming downhill. So um, that hill training, plyometrics, a very important one. Heavy weight training. Um, you know, remaining deadlifts and squats, et cetera, that can be, that can turn out to be beneficial on the plyometric side. I mean, on the leg spring stiffness side. So those are important elements. Um, on the form power ratio, um, I think mobility, like hip mobility, you know, working on the, the, the anterior, the flexors, making sure that they have mobility so you have a good sweep angle as you're running. Um, that's important. And tying the two together, uh, leg spring stiffness and uh, form power ratio, there's various drills. There, there's a various skipping drills, A skips, B skips, um, uh, fence drills. Uh, there, I mean, there's so many running drills and there's great videos on YouTube that if you look at them, if you're doing a skipping bounding drill, you're working on 
both the leg spring stiffness, but you're also can be also working on uh, form power ratio at the same time. Okay. Uh, now, one of the things that we do with pace or heart rate or any of the other matrices is uh, adjustments. And this is an important question for listeners because uh, most of us run in you know pretty high temperature and humidity uh, pretty much all through the year, except for maybe a couple of months. So let's say somebody's critical power or functional threshold power is 100. What sort of adjustments do you make for... Uh, First, temperature and humidity, and second, for altitude. That's a great question, and and, and the beauty of running power is that it it it's um, it it's lends itself very well to making those adjustments. Um, so there are um, large population studies of the effects of of uh, uh, decline in VO two max or the decline in uh, speed or the decline in power at altitude as you go up in altitude. Similarly, there's also population-based studies on the effects of heat and humidity on degrading uh, power or speed, et cetera. Um, so those population studies yield uh, algorithms or formula uh, and uh, allows you to use power uh, in that algorithm or those algorithms uh, to calculate or estimate the the expected degradation of power. Now, the folks at Stride, the scientific side, have have actually incorporated um, the altitude uh, uh, formulas and the the heat and humidity formulas into a a, a calculator. Um, and so the the listeners, if if they had let's say a hundred, the number used. Uh, as their critical power, and they uh, let, let's say they went from um, sea level to uh, roughly uh, let's say 2,500 meters um, of altitude. Um, I, I'll just throw out the mental side. I don't have the calculator in front of me, but that's about a, a six percent decline of of power. So now, if they if they drove like I live in the mountains if you drove from sea level to the mountains and you had measured your critical power at sea level now you go up the mountains you're, you if you try to do workouts based on 100 as your critical power that's going to be you're going way over the intensity the desired intensity so you're going to adjust it and so it might be 6 6% lower so they might be at 94 so if they're doing it, let's say they're doing, let's say they're doing a workout uh, three times eight minutes with three minutes of recovery at critical power. At sea level, they're doing that workout uh, at right around 100 watts, three times eight minutes at 100 watts, three minute recoveries. They go to you know 2,500 meters, they're doing that at 94, you know 94 uh, watts, three times eight minutes at 94 watts. Uh, with three minutes recovery, so it's it's very important. And um, for the athletes I coach, I have them adjust based on their local. You know, most athletes aren't changing altitude. You know, although I have athletes that do come up to altitude to train for camps, and we adjust. But most athletes are dealing with heat and humidity adjustments, um, so I have them do that on the fly. 
I'll just throw this one other thing out there. There's 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 actually an app um, uh, uh, that that uh, uh, Garmin IQ app that corrects power based on uh, the Tempe device that Garmin the Garmin Tempe device that reports heat. Um, it, it will correct power real time on your watch. So you know it, 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 you can now run a workout to the desired stimulus. You don't want to run a workout that's 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 overpowered because you run in hotter conditions and you're using a, a cooler temperature uh, FTP or, you know, the same. Yeah. Uh, so that's okay. So that's the adjustment to temperature and humidity and altitude. And you're saying that uh, for uh, temperature and humidity specifically, there is a Garmin IQ app, which... Uh, which one can use to get real-time adjustments to the power. So that's, I'm sure, quite helpful when you are running. Oh, it it, it does simplify matters. But that said, uh, you can you can before you go out the door, you can do the, you know, go on the calculator, the stride calculator, and and calculate. Okay, hey, my targets are are not X Y Z. My targets are A B C now because it's it's hotter, more humid today than it was, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Okay, now comes the big question. Have elites uh, started uh, adopting power and racing with power? Uh, what's the what's the update on that? Uh, well, uh, yes, the answer is is yes. Um, of course, the the most elite of elites uh, have some secrecy in their, their training, so. You know, we don't we don't know the, you know the the upper echelon. But that said, I know uh, you know there, there's triathletes that are that are uh, elite level triathletes, pro triathletes that use power. Uh, I coach a couple of runners, uh, uh, two eighteen uh, marathoner and a, uh, a male marathoner and a uh, uh, a two forty two female marathoner who I I is is uh, preparing for a marathon right now i hope she really is gonna but hit one uh big but uh uh northern arizona elite has some runners that yep. power. uh uh tom tin man schwartz has his uh uh tin man uh group uh and there there's some pretty elite runners there yes there's there are elites uh, we don't know how many because there's some secrecy, uh, but sure. clearly, running power is is you know is is a, it's the same thing with cycling power. But when I started in 2002, it was early adopters, uh, scientists, and engineers. There was no pros. I mean, maybe maybe occasional you know uh, uh, pro that might have been doing, but. It wasn't ubiquitous. It wasn't until uh, you know mid mid to late 2000s. Uh, you know, in other words, about 10 or 15 years after the first power meter, that it was ubiquitous in the pro cycling scene. So with with running power, I've always said from the get go, uh, I I said that I thought that it's going to take about two Olympic cycles. For it to penetrate pretty broadly in uh, endurance running circles at the elite level. Okay, <clears throat> and we are probably just uh, past 
the first Olympic cycle. I mean, if you can call it, because Stride came more like 2014-15 and you had Rio in 2016, probably still a bit early for people to adopt, I guess. So more like 2024, I guess now. Yes, I I think there's you're going to have continued growth and uh, the 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 every Olympic cycle that passes there's going to be a a, a higher penetrance into the uh, the elite space. I think. Okay, got it. So uh, before we let you go, uh, you know, a couple of quick uh, uh, quick questions. Uh, can you give listeners some recommendations on your favorite uh, resources like books, website, podcasts, YouTube channels? Uh, obviously, your own uh, your own materials would be linked separately uh, in the show notes. Uh, but just curious to know who others you follow and what recommendations you can give. Oh, sure. Um, I uh, uh, books uh, training and racing with a power meter. Uh, by Allen and Coggan and McGregor, the, it's 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 written primarily for cyclists, but it's it has so much there for someone who, who wants to learn power. It's a it's a recommended book. Um, uh, Secret of Running by uh, Van Dyke and Van Meegan. Uh, it's it's on the technical side, but it is well done uh, and very informative. Uh, so I recommend that one. Uh, Jim Vance had a had a book Run with Power. Uh, that's that was the first book on running with power. It it has some older concepts now, uh, but still uh, it, it's 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 decent reading if you you know excuse some of the older concepts. Um, and I'm going to mention just a few other books. Uh, I, I I and I'm just going to read them off here. I like um, uh, the science application of high intensity interval training. That's by Larson and, and Buchheit. It's 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 the resource on interval training. It's, it's a great book. And then um, uh, endurance training uh, science and practice by Muhika. Uh, that's a great book. Highly recommend that. And then there's a new one that I just got: uh, Strength and Conditioning for Endurance Running, and that's by Richard Blagrove. So if, if you like to uh, balance running with your strength and conditioning, which I, I'm a believer of, uh, that, that book is a real good read, and he's a, he's a good author. Um, I'll throw a few other resources out. Sure. I, I, uh, YouTube, uh, Stephen Seiler's channel is a, is, a, is a good one. He's got some good stuff on, on there. I, I appreciate reading that. And then, of course, uh, you know, WKO has some instructional videos on YouTube. Stride has great YouTube uh, uh, presence. So uh, those are those are our great uh, resources as well. Yeah, in fact, Dr. Seiler was one of our guests a couple of months back. Hierarchy of of training. He discussed that, and I listened to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, that was good. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if listeners want to get in touch with you uh, for coaching or any anything, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, hopefully they're on Facebook because that's my that's my only social media presence. Um, so uh, they can come to the Paladino Power Project Facebook group um, and come on there. There's lots to learn. Uh, another spot is uh, Final Surge. I sell training plans on Final Surge. Yeah. And I coach all my athletes using that platform. There is a uh, message 
uh, contact contact a coach feature. So if you did have a question, you can go through Final Surge and use that feature as well to contact me. Uh, so thank you, Steve, so much for your time. This has been an absolutely great discussion on power, uh, uh, an excellent overview and getting into some of the details on you know, what you should focus on, uh, what are some of the ways to improve upon. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, down the line, we can get you back uh, for another discussion, which can delve into probably a subset of these topics in, in, a, in a greater detail. Uh, what what uh, you know, I have tried to do through this discussion is to at least give listeners an overview of what this whole concept is, why is it important, and uh, probably for many of them to think about adopting it if they have not already you know, heard about it or maybe only have a very rudimentary uh, knowledge. So this has been an excellent uh, discussion. I really appreciate you taking your time and uh, equally importantly, all the work that you have been doing and you have been generously sharing. I've been a member of your uh, group, uh, the Stride group, where you participate apart from the Paladino Power Project. And you know it's so resource rich and you can learn a lot. So thank you so much for all the work uh, that you do for us uh, recreational uh, athletes. Really, really appreciate Oh, uh, it's, it's my pleasure being on the, the show. Um, and uh, you know it, I, I, we all benefit by learning and sharing knowledge. Uh, and that, that's one of the reasons for your show. Uh, so, yeah, I'm on board. I lo love to share, and, and thank you for allowing me to share a little bit of knowledge today. Okay. Absolutely our pleasure, Steve. Thank you. Thank you very much to all the listeners. Please check out the podcast website, runfitraj.com. That is R-U-N-F-I-T-R-A-J.com. It has all the podcasts, it has all the show notes, and there is a very useful search function as well. You can reach out to me on my social media handles, which are Running and Fitness with Raj on both Instagram and Facebook. And you can also email me on runningandfitnesswithraj at gmail.com. Please let me know if you have any questions or specific guests you would like to see on the show. I also request you all again to please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word. Please also leave a review on iTunes as it will help enormously to grow the show. We will continue to bring you exciting and interesting guests and give specific and actionable advice. Stay safe, stay healthy. Until the next show, goodbye.